Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome. To Doc G Show, I'm your host, Doc G, with me as always, the one, the only, Mikey Maximus, the Fernicus, Charette. Say what? What's up, Doc G? How's it going, sir? Mm-mm-mm-mm. Another Wednesday in the books, Mike. Well, it's, I guess we we're writing it in the books as we speak. Yes, we are. Yeah, it's... we are. Hey, looks like you're drinking a little dark substance. Is that a, <laughs> uh, a Guinness? <laughs> oh, you know it. You know it. Well, pomegranate I lo- juice. I love my beer, Mike. Huh? No, this is actually, uh, I'm being unhealthy. I, it's a diet Coke. Wait, what? Oh, that sounds delicious. It is, it's fizzy. I wanted something fizzy, yeah. you know? I wanted something yeah. fizzy, and I wanted a, a cola flavor. And I was like, yeah. uh, you know, so it's not the best for you. But you know what? It's Wednesday. I'm going to let loose. Yeah, so party. I'm going to let party loose. So, for sure, for sure. Are you an eight and a half? Mm. Eight and a half? Oh yeah, I feel great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel great. It's, uh, you know, hey, we're I'm I'm uh, I'm celebrating with you here with the Thai tea, even Ooh. though there's oh. no bubbly or sugar in it. Hey, hey, a little, a little juice off that. You know what I mean? I so you're you're centered. <laughs> you're centered. Your centered. chi yeah, yeah, yeah. coming is off there. the coffee. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mike, speaking of of uh, food and beverage, because somehow the show has just. That's what gravitated, yes, yeah. towards food and beverage. Do you have a go-to meal? Like, is there a a, a, a North Star in your diet that you're like, I got to hit this? Like, uh, like you know, five times a week? Four, not that five, that's crazy. Four times, three times a week? Three times a week, yeah. I could do steak and fries. Just a steak and just fries. Word. And that's that's sort of the North Star right there. That's my North, yeah. If I don't have any ideas for what to eat, a steak and fries. And you know how we do it, Doc G. The butter, the rosemary, the salt. Say what? Key ingredients. And, Very uh, yeah, good. I'm set. Amazing, Very yeah. good. Now, now, you love that. Yeah. How Do you actually get it really often? Like... Yeah, yeah, a couple times a week usually. Okay, still happens. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Oh yeah, what about you? Um, it's changed a lot. You know, <laughs> it used For sure. to it used to be pizza. Like mm-hmm. you know, my North Star was pizza, and then I was like, Ben, you're too fat. Stop that. That's a fact. That you know, that used to be like a regular, like because. Mm, so mm. I went with flatbreads. <laughs> you know, I've I've cut it out, Mike. This is this isn't an exaggeration. I haven't had pizza in over five months now. Oh my god, um, that's so depressing. It is. It's very depressing. But I do have to say, sadly, I feel healthier. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, Maybe not mentally. <laughs> no, but I do feel healthier. You know. Lame. But I bring it up, Mike, the go-to meal because Dylan Wareham, Dylan Wareham has a go-to meal. Do you know Dylan? Mm. No, I don't. That's not too surprising. But nope. he has been on a content grind the last couple of years. Okay. He's, a, he's trying. He's an aspiring content creator, Mike. <laughs> Aren't he, we all? Yeah. So true. <laughs> he, he uh, In the article that I'm about to tell you about, uh, he said one of his big goals is to become a full-time creator. 
word. He also mentioned that he's finding it hard to go viral on YouTube. So he switched his focus to TikTok. Now he's more of a TikTok guy. But he's got all... He celebrates all platforms. So, uh, That's the way. Yeah, Dylan's a fella from Mobile, Alabama. And as his YouTube bio puts it, he is uh, he's all about God, family, and fun. And mm, everything okay. else comes last, as he puts it. There you go. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So uh, he's done a lot of things for content, Mike. I... I perused through his uh, his library there. Uh, one of the things that was highlighted on YouTube was he decided that he was going to pull together his five trucks that he owns and try to buy a Lamborghini with whatever they sold uh, they bought his uh, his trucks for. So he went to CarMax, okay. sold his five trucks. CarMax offered him $85,000 for his five trucks. And okay. at the at the end of the video, he had yet to buy a Lamborghini, but he was like, I think I can find some that are around 85000 And I was like, eh, it's going to be a Lamborghini, Dylan. Yeah, like a Lamborghini shell or something. Not going to be a good one. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I was, uh, I was thinking, Mike, back in... in August. I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember I had a monologue about how insane uh, the Liver King was? Yeah, you did. I did. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I I was saying, it shows us how you can basically just do whatever you want. And I think Dylan's cementing that theory. He's like, you know what? Yeah. Content. I'm selling my trucks for a Lamborghini. Here we go. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, Ben, how does this relate to a go-to meal? <laughs> I'm I'm there right now, guys. I'm right, I'm there right now. His content, somewhere along the line, creating content, he was like, you know what could be some great content? If I eat the same meal over and over and over again. Hmm. So right now, he's in the midst, Mike, of eating at Chipotle. For 500 days straight. Oh. He's now at 484. Jeez. He's only got 16 Ah, more days to go, Mike. That's amazing. It's not bad. It's not bad. And that's why it drew me in, Mike, because uh, when Chipotle first came to South Carolina when I was a young buck in graduate school, uh, I went hard in the paint. That place is great. Yeah. I, 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 I literally had it like two months straight. Like, <laughs> I wasn't doing it for content. I was doing it because I'm fat and lazy, and that satisfied my characteristic traits. And I was like, oh, well, this is Sweet. easy. It's right beside me, and it's delicious. Let's Talk do to this. You, you seem like a bowl guy. Girl, come on. I'm both. Okay. I celebrated the whole catalog. Like, okay. <laughs> I, I did got not. You. It's, it's not a big catalog, it's a fairly short catalog. You got like yeah, four I mean, proteins. Yeah. You got a couple of things. So I switched it up all the time. I'd go burrito. Sometimes I'd do a bowl with just the burrito shell. Sometimes oh, okay. I'd go double meat. Sometimes I'd go split meat. Sometimes I'd even throw in the tofu. I got bananas mm. with it, Mike. Never tried the tofu. Yeah, Not okay. bad. Not bad. All so right. recently, Alabama.com interviewed Dylan about his Chipotle eating uh, about this streak, right? And he said the biggest challenge, and this is where I got really excited about this, 
was going on a cruise. Huh? He went on a cruise and he said, that was very stressful because I had to sneak it on. I had to get <laughs> my bowls, wrap some clothes around them, shove them in the middle of my suitcase, and they made it on, thank God. <laughs> Ew. Mike, this nice. dude paid to go on a cruise where they basically have unlimited food options. Right. They, I mean, most people only go on a cruise for food. Mm -hmm. And yeah. this dude was like, pass. I'm a content man. I'm sneaking yeah. my yeah. bowls in my clothes. That's right. Which is going to make my clothes stink like a it's going to make my Chipotle stale and gross, but I got to do it. I got to do followers. it for got the to, content. Gotta stay yeah. Yeah. Got to stay consistent. I mean, I had so many questions, Mike. Like, how long were the bowls in the baggage before he could actually get to them? You know, was it like six hours? Was it like four hours? Hmm. Like once he got there, was there a refrigerator immediately in his room? Or yeah. was it just like stale, disgusting? <laughs> Did he sneak them in to like one of the kitchens of the places? Like, oh, put these here. There we go. That'll be good. <laughs> like, and then how long was he on the cruise? Was this like a week cruise? Yeah, seven like, days, right? Usually. Oh God, Mike. Now, the story gets even better from there. He says, "Quote: Chipotle actually reached out to me on day 369, hmm. the first time we made contact. They sent me a gift card and a note that said, "Bet you can't make it to a thousand. Here's a gift to keep you going." He then said, "I'm going to make it to a thousand. What? So now, Mike, the goal is one thousand. Girl, come on. So I gotta say, Mike." Unless that gift card was for the cost of 531 meals, wasn't enough to keep me going. Was. <laughs> no subscribe? Was not. <laughs> was not. I mean, uh, Dylan, you're a content creator, man. When, when, when Chipotle contacted you, you should have at least like finagled for some promotion, you know? Mm -hmm. He should have been like, hey, let's go in. Co-deal. You'll put it yeah. out on your stuff. I'll put it out on my stuff. We'll promote it in Alabama. I'll do a couple of live eats. You can ask me questions. There's a come on, work on it, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotta like, get a like, deal. Like this is a company that stands to profit five thousand dollars if you meet their bet. Of course. I'm sure they're really worried that you're gonna meet oh no. We're gonna make five thousand dollars and he's gonna eat our product. Whew. Nope. Oh geez. <laughs> Like, what? Then this this was the part, though, that, that got to me a little bit, Mike. He then said, I do eat the same bowl every day. It's the same thing every day. I get the chicken bowl with white rice, extra rice, mild sauce, cheese, and lettuce. Slam. Oh, come on. No beans? No onions and peppers? That is the most boring American Gosh. bowl bland I've ever heard of. That's going to be a no subscribe from me too, Dr. E. Yeah. <laughs> no beans, man. You Come said on. it, Mike. No fajita yeah. veggies. Yeah. The guac, the sour cream, 
The hot sauce, the second the protein, the corn, the corn. salsa. Oh, Get with salsa. it. It's delicious, Mike. Yeah. He is missing out. But, Mike, really think is. about this. It'll be September of 2024 when Dylan completes his 1,000 meals. Jeez. Oh, man, that doesn't sound good. Doc G, you're a man of science. What is he missing from his diet? This is, uh, I don't know. I always worry about the long nothing, term. Nothing no, much, man. Not really. Okay. I mean, it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty varied. <laughs> okay. Uh, that covers most bases. I mean, as far as vitamins, minerals, everything like that, you got most everything. Plus, right. you know, he's just eating it once a day. So he could be, you know, I mean, he could be filling in other things throughout oh, the diet, you know. Okay. Uh, it's not gotcha. the only thing he's eating. So, like, you know, uh, okay. he could be hitting the produce, produce aisle the rest of the day and just filling up. I, my my guess is, looking at his page, he's not. But, you know. Probably I, I, not. I don't yeah. know. Not with those but, ingredients. But, Mike, my question to you, is he making it? Hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, he's got to be doing something. I mean, if he's getting Chipotle gift cards, he's getting interviews, he's got to be getting some views. Yes. Yes. He's going to make it to 1,000. He's going to have millions of followers when he gets there. Dylan, we're supporting you in that. I don't yeah. know anything about any of your beliefs or anything else in this world. I probably don't support any of those. But you know what? I support your Chipotle eating. I'm behind it, Dylan. Get there. As do I. Yes. We are behind you. Mike, are you ready to we fire the show up? Let's fire up the show, Doc G. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and liftoff. Woo! Mike, I am excited. I am very excited. I can tell you first, you know what? I don't want to belittle the guests that we have that I'm very excited about. We have a fantastic guest, Jesse Daniels, on the show. My goodness. This is an artist that is just uh, fantastic. Legendary. He's got yeah. a he's got a new live album that just came out. He's touring. That's right. Up and down the West Coast right now. He's just all over the place over there. Just the left coast being the best coast. He's just doing it. He's just going up and down like 30, 30 some dates in a month. It's like literally every single night. It's crazy. Ooh, get that work. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy, man. I can't wait to talk to him. It's going to be a great interview. But also, Mike, a couple of weeks ago, for those really dedicated listeners, you're probably like, hey, I remember Ben said there was going to be some really big guest, but he couldn't really say anything about it because they hadn't solidified a date. I think he was a lying SOB. That's what I think. I didn't ever heard anything about that again. Well, guess what, listeners? It happened. And I scheduled it. And we're going to have part of the interview today on the show. And that interview is with none other than Barry Kirch from Shinedown, listeners. There we go. Shinedown. My goodness. And now, now why, why am I playing part of the interview? Because they're going to be in Jacksonville in two days. So true. Two days, Mike. And this is how big of a guest this is. You know where they're playing? An arena. An arena. That's right. They're not playing some club. They're not playing some theater. Some They're playing yeah. an arena. An arena. That's right. Yeah. And their hometown heroes, Mike, 
Hometown here, six million monthly listeners on Spotify, million million platinum singles that they have. My goodness, they've seen the world, Mike, and I can't wait to can't wait to talk to Barry as well. We're gonna get I'm gonna get a little clip here from our interview of talking with Barry just about how awesome playing Jacksonville is gonna be. We're gonna have a little bit of a clip from the. Uh, from the interview. I can't wait for both of these. It's going to be a special show, Mike. But first, we need to start where we start. The birthday suits. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Now, Mike, if you remember, we took a little bit uh, of a turn to average with your <laughs> uh, score. Okay. You are 22 out of 39. Okay. I'm getting pretty close to 50%, Mike. Mm -hmm. We got to try to get, you know, because I want you to be above half. I want yeah. you to be above half. Um, this one, I I don't know if you know his name. You know who it is. I just okay. don't know if you know the name. I'm not sure if I could. I mean, now that I've seen the name a bunch, I know I could name it, but I don't know if I could name it just dry fire. If somebody was like, who is this guy, you know? Okay. So I don't know. We'll see. Born in Youngstown, Ohio on April 12, 1946. In high school, our birthday suit wearer was good at football, and he actually earned a scholarship to Ohio University where he majored in history. After his sophomore year, he transferred to Youngstown State. After college, he signed a free, agent, uh, uh, a free agency with, Pittsburgh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, but he was cut before the season started. While in college, he actually started acting in small roles, and by 1979, he had landed in a Broadway play knockout. In 1986, he was seen by a casting agency for our agent for Fox that asked him to audition for the role of Al Bundy in a proposed sitcom, Married with Children. He secured the part and became the star character in the show that lasted 11 years seasons Jeez. about 10 years after married with children he landed another role jay pritchett on the show uh modern family which he played for 12 seasons wow side note about our birthday suit wearer: he's trained over 25 years in brazilian jiu-jitsu and he achieved his black belt in jiu-jitsu in 2007 and he said he considers it one of his greatest achievements in life. Name that birthday suit wearer. Ed O'Neill. Say what? Yes, Mike got it. Yeah, there yeah. it is. Nicely done, Mike. Big Ed O'Neill fan, or is it just in your head? Just yeah, I don't know. Like random. I think I saw him. He popped up. He did a uh, like a Dak Shepard interview recently. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know he was a football player. That's cool. Played for the. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I'd ha I'd have to go back and look, Mike, because I don't know how much you ever watch uh, Married with Children. But you I know that a lot. That was the whole thing about Al Bundy. You know, was that he was a failed high school football player. He he yeah. had scored four touchdowns in one game. You know, that was his big deal at Poke <laughs> High. So like, I don't know if that. they. I don't know if they wrote that in because of ed o'neill's background or if it was just because like you know it just so happened that it worked that they were like hey this guy played football too and that's what we got in the we got in the storyline like it worked out yeah. regardless <laughs> and then you know it's it's one of those things too you can see how old somebody is if they're a young buck 
and all they remember him for is Modern Family, or if they're an older person that remembers him from Married with Children. I do remember. I mean, both of them are memorable. I remember oh, yeah. him from both. You know, I would say I probably watch more Married with Children than Modern Family, but I've seen some Modern Family. Same, I, I, every, yeah. Every now and then, I'll, I'll watch it. Regardless, Mike, he's uh, he, what, what is he turning? Let's see, he's turning uh, seventy-seven. Seventy-seven, wow. yeah. He's getting up there, man. Getting yeah. up there. But he looks pretty good. I saw a picture of him just uh, just the other day, like a recent picture of him, looking strong. Probably yeah. all that. Probably all that jujitsu, you know. True. Very true. I don't know. I don't know if he still practices. It'd be pretty wild if he still practiced, like heavily practicing at seventy-seven. That'd be nuts. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that involves. How yeah. you practice or just a lot like of throwing, man. Up. A lot of sparring. Oh, yeah. You know, a lot of grappling, yeah. as they say. Regardless, happy birthday to Ed. Mike, are you ready to rip some headlines? Let's rip some headlines, Doc G. What do we got? It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Mike, as I've already mentioned to you, you know we've uh, we've morphed into a food and beverage show over the last couple we of have. weeks. So, yeah, just a little bit. So I've got an important story from food and beverage. Wendy's has discontinued their grilled chicken sandwich. Okay. Um, it was the only non-fried, non-burger option on the menu, Mike. Hmm. They took it off. Now they've replaced the sandwich with a grilled chicken wrap. But people aren't feeling the wrap like they felt the chicken sandwich. And of course, Mike, customers let out their frustrations and their concerns in the best possible forum, Twitter. <laughs> so, Mike, I've got a couple of Twitter comments here. Malcolm McDermott said, quote, the grilled chicken sandwich at Wendy's was my jam. That's a fact. And a somewhat healthy option. Now it's gone. So I'm gone. Wendy, bye. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I was thinking, Mike, like, if I was Malcolm's friend, I'd be like, really? The grilled chicken sandwich is what you've been coming for here? Do you realize what they have on the menu besides that? Have you ever taken the a look? Frosties. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, Malcolm's situation is like having a friend that tells you they go to the strip club because they've got really good TVs to watch sports, and he's serious about it. <laughs> He's like, yeah, there's good clarity, you guys. My God, it's amazing. Really? Did you notice what's going on behind the TVs? No? All right. All right, whatever, Malcolm. Um, Lauren Ray, Mike. Lauren Ray tweeted, today I learned Wendy's discontinued their grilled chicken sandwich. Why did you betray me <laughs> like this, Wendy's? Capital W-H-Y. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm, you know, Lauren, go ahead and cut your losses. Get a Baconator and a Dave's Triple, call it a day. You know? Yeah. You know? Mike, I will say for all of these folks that are very disheartened by Wendy's stopping the grilled chicken sandwich and they don't know where to turn, I would suggest the produce aisle of the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just an idea. Just to just throw that out there. There are other healthy options aside from Wendy's. 
That's right. Mike, we need to move on. Uh, I've got a little entertainment gossip for you. Are you ready? Ooh. Yeah. Yes. This is going to... I'm glad you're seated. I can see in the Zoom you are seated. This is going to probably... Actually standing up. Oh. Uh, you, I don't know if you're being serious or not. You are standing up? Do you got your standing stand-up desk? desk? My God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fitness. Fitness man Fitness. over there. <laughs> Gosh. But, well, brace yourself. Grab okay. onto your desk because Taylor Swift... And Joe Alwyn have split after nearly seven years together. Seven years, wow. Yeah. I had I no, don't know who the other guy is, but yeah, seven years. I had no idea that she was going out with Joe Alwyn. And I had yeah. I had no idea they'd been going out for seven years. But hmm. given the length of the relationship, Mike, and given the fact that it's Taylor Swift, I'm guessing this will result in like 84 sad songs. Oh, yeah, for sure. The next five years are covered. By the way, listeners, if you're wondering how I came on 84, it wasn't arbitrary. That's one for each month that they were going out. So figured that they she would, you know. Well, this is December 2018. I remember that clearly. We'll write Based on her previous relationships, yeah. five songs, mm-hmm. five years. Yeah. Carry the Y. Think so. (laughs) Think so. Mike, we need to talk about a trend that is uh, apparently sweeping Gen Z. Uh Oh. Yep. Phone companies are saying that there are some younger folks of America that are starting to go for what they call so-called dumb phones instead of the standard Uh. smartphones. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is an effort to reduce screen time. And improve mental health by not being attached to their phones. Hmm. Uh, one analyst of the sector said, I think you can see it in certain Gen Z populations. They're tired of screens. Now, they end the article, Mike, by saying, in North America, the market for dumb phones is pretty much flatline. But Patrick Moorhead, industry analyst, says... I could see it getting up to 5% increase in the next five years, if nothing else, based on the public health concerns that are out there. Word. Mike, first of all, before I get into that, Generation Z is definitely not the leader in this trend. The leader of this trend would be the silent generation who are in their 90s. I guarantee you (laughs) most of them don't have a cell phone. They really limit their screen time except for loud, blaring old TVs of Fox News. Aside from that, they have no cell phones, Mike. None. None. Second, congratulations to anybody uh, that's doing this. I would uh, encourage it. I mean, you know, Mike, you can still listen to the Doc G Show on your computer. So, for sure. Go ahead, hop off your smartphone. That's fine. Um, But I do like how they end the article, Mike, by an analysis saying that they could see an increase of 5% increase in five years of these phones. Hmm. Essentially meaning an average of a 1% increase per year. Not of the market. 5% increase of the actual existing now dumb phones. What is that, like 10 phones? Like, it's the weakest increase, the weakest trend I've ever heard of. 
You, yeah, it's not really a trend, yeah. You wouldn't open a savings account with that kind of interest. What? So you're saying I'm going to put $5,000 in the bank and after five years I'll have $5,010? Eh, probably go it's for something right. else. I'll do something about else. about right, current. Uh, yeah, it is. I mean, it's about <laughs> right, but come on, man. Could've, yeah. They could have ended the story and made the same impact by saying, and there's a few people that... Uh, may get these phones at some point, maybe. <laughs> it might happen once or twice. Uh, Mike, back to food and beverage. Yes. This is a super important point. Uh, the, here's a headline. This is from Tasting Table. I don't know if you ever go to Tasting Table. but uh, No, I don't know what that is. Yeah, neither do I. But Tasting Table says, <laughs> quote, how to order your bourbon at the bar like a total pro. That's a fact. Mmm. Neat. Yeah, thank God. Am I right, Mike? That, yeah. that has been my concern. Ordering my bourbon like a worthless amateur. <laughs> you know? Like, I mean, I can only assume by pro they mean alcoholic. That, yeah. I'm guessing, that's... Like, I was thinking about it, Mike. Um, I love how there's so much peer pressure in anything dealing with alcohol. Like, hey, are you cool enough to be drunk? Bet you're not. Bet you can't order booze like a effing professional. Like, <laughs> how many ways are there to order booze? Like, what are you doing? Like, are you kidding me? It's ridiculous, Mike. You know? Well... Some people really mess it up, Doc. Do they add a bunch of Coke to like a Macallan 15 or even though it's not a bourbon, you know, it's like, yeah. come on, what are you guys doing? Well, ice. Well, like I was thinking about it, Mike, I can expect the alcohol. I can respect alcoholics way more than the drinker who's just l trying to look like a total pro. Like, <laughs> at least I get the alcoholics True. motives. I just want to okay. stay f that's that's their motives. Like I'll t like right now. I'll tell all the readers out there of this article that are reading this article because they want to be pros. Listen, if you don't regularly order bourbon and you're not sure how to order bourbon, it's probably because you just don't really like bourbon. And mm -hmm. maybe the best way to order it is don't. That's a fact. Yeah. How about that? You know? Yeah, that's that's a good way. No, no one at your table is going to take away your cool card if you're like, you know what, I'll have water. No, <laughs> that's, no one cares. Honest, On the rocks. <laughs> honestly, Mike, Sorry. I've found uh, uh, heavy drinkers respect you more when they find that you don't drink. Most of the time, they're like, I wish I did that. That's awesome. Damn, I wish I could. Yeah. yeah. Instead of being like, oh my God, you're so not cool. I don't think you can hang with us anymore. What? No. <laughs> no. Mike, uh, I got some news about a, a, a anti-woke fella. Um, so there's an anti-woke fella. He's caused quite a stir on social media, including uh, Twitter. Um, he posted a video of himself in Target describing how three shirts in the boys' department uh, included rainbows. Word. He held one shirt up that was pink with a shark on it and a rainbow and yells that they are destroying masculinity. He said, quote, guys, it's time to stand up to this wokeness. We need to stand up as parents, 
leaders and fathers. Hmm. Yeah. I got to be honest, Mike. What little boys wear? Not at the top of my priority list. You know? Nope. Nope. You know, just as long as they have clothes on. That's all I care. That's important. Yeah. Besides that, whatever you want. Sack of potatoes, cool. You know? I got to be honest. I don't really see an issue with these shirts, Mike. Doesn't really make the man, you know? Have you ever heard that little, little adage? Clothes don't make the man? Mm, you ever heard that one? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, but like, I mean, regardless, Mike, regardless if this is an issue or either, uh, issue or not, I think this guy really needs to learn how to, to prioritize problems, you know? <laughs> That's a fact. Like... Like, there might be bigger fish to fry than T-shirts for kids. I get, I get the feeling if you're driving down the road with this dude on the interstate and the engine catches fire, he'd be like, Oh, my God! Make sure all my CDs are in alphabetical order in the glove compartment! <laughs> Wait, hold on. There's this thing first. We got to go with that. Like, he just... <laughs> Seems a little weird, Mike. Seems a little yeah. weird, you know? Anyways. On, they're little kids. Yeah. Let them wear rainbows. Who gives a Yeah. Anyways. They don't care. Mike, we're going to break uh, down some fantastic tunes right now. We're going to hear from our guest, Jesse Daniels, right here on the Doc G Show. I got out of work and I feel like shooting pool Or maybe do a little drinking if I can find an empty stool I've got to find a way to pass some of this extra time Since my house is dark and empty and that girl of mine left me high lonesome She played me for a fool Buckhorn Bar, they had a good house band I'd had about all of the solitude that this old boy could stand I pulled my truck up underneath the flashing neon lights Saw a pretty little woman as I walked inside She must have seen that hurting in my eyes Cause she took my hand All she said was Step back, we were moving to the rhythm in the honky tonk shack. My troubles and my worries, they all seem to slip away. And I know it's late and I should probably go home, but I can't leave you dancing out here all alone. I got nobody waiting up for me, so I think I'll stay.
with red lips, swinging hips, she knew how to have a good time. She was a true heartbreaker, it was plain to see. So I asked her if she wanted to come home with me. She said, You couldn't make me leave this hardwood floor if you tried. So all we did was two step forward and one step back. We would move into the rhythm and the honky-tonk shack My troubles and my worries, they all seem to slip away I know it's late and I should probably go home But I can't leave you dancing out here all alone I got nobody waiting up for me So I think I'll stay Here on the Doc G Show. Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Mike, what do the listeners need to do? Well, Doc G, if the listeners feel like the show is a positive way to waste their time, please, Mm -hmm. please subscribe wherever they listen to podcasts, SoundCloud, Apple. It's a cost-effective way to support the show. And if they're feeling extra generous, Please leave a five-star review and a comment. We love comments. Amen. Mike, two Mm. things on that. One, there were some people wasting their time uh, gawking at the studio just uh, just, uh, like 30 seconds ago. Mm. Uh, What? And uh, I thought about waving at them. But they had a little baby and the little baby Bjorn thing, and they they were just staring in. And I was like, hey, we got a show going on. Stop it's it! Beautiful studio, though, Doc G. That's true. You can't. I would you, look in there. You can lose. You can lose. You can lose focus. <laughs> I get it. I get it. But the second thing is much more serious, Mike. The second thing I got to bring up, uh, and I I texted you about this. Yeah. Um, somebody gave us a one star the other day. Mm-hmm. A one star, Mike. Yeah. That's not a true rating. No. That that that's not like let's be honest listeners. Be honest with yourself right now. <laughs> a 3 star rating I could see. I've been called average in basically every facet of my life. So I get that one. If you're like mm-hmm. 3 out of 5, okay. Yeah. All right. And that's like fine. 2 star maybe. Maybe they caught us the show on like a really off day. We were just or like a segment and they were like, "Ugh. Ugh. All right." Yeah. But one no. Nope. I refuse to believe it, Mike. That's a fact. Like, in my research for all of our guests, I've listened to a lot of other podcasts. I've gone through all kinds of different podcasts. And, you know, when you when you rate a podcast out of five stars, there's got to be some basis to that judgment, you know? Mm-hmm. You can't just be throwing out one star to everybody and not have a single five star out there. It's got to be related. Yeah! It's got to be relative, you know? And, like, Apple has, as of 2023, they have 2.5 million podcasts on their platform. 2.5 million. 
Right. With a one-star rating, you're saying that we're in the worst. We're worse than 1.87 million of those podcasts. Mm. I don't believe it. I don't believe it, Mike. That is not true. Mike, it's not true. One of two things need to happen. One of two things need to happen. Like Uber, Apple needs to start letting us grade our listeners. (laughs) That's a fact. We can give our listeners one to five stars. And I can tell you right now, regulars, you would get five stars. Yes, you would. I'm telling you, watch out for those other people. They may get ones. Or the other thing, Mike, and this is much more doable. Hear me out on this one. When rating podcast, they can only give out stars in groups. So you get a five, a four, a three, a two, and a one. And you have to give all five of them out before they give you another set. Can't just be going out and giving ones, you know? Yeah, that's a good idea, actually. Yeah. You gotta be you gotta be fair. You gotta look at all of them and say, okay, what's the what's good out here, what's not good out here? Yeah. You know? Anyways, those are my two thoughts, Mike. And Mike, I told a friend uh, aside from you that we had a one star because it devastated me. And uh, my friend <laughs> said, uh, "Don't let it bother you. It shouldn't bother you." And I was like, "Of course it bothers me. That's a fact. That's why I have a radio show for people to listen and enjoy. I'm not making it to fall on deaf and hateful ears. Nope. No, you know what? I hope nobody listens to this. That'd be awesome." I hope everybody that hears it hates it. That'd be insane, Mike. Yeah, that would, that would be any, insane. Make no. any sense? If a radio no. show is made in the middle of the woods and no one hears it, does it make a sound? I don't know, but it's a f-ing radio show. All right. Yeah, it is. Regardless, Mike, I'm going to try and not let the one star spiral me into a world of depression. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm, I'm try not to, Doc G. Just give me a call, give me a text if you're feeling if you're feeling low. I may I may try to lift my spirits by ordering bourbon like a total pro here in a little bit. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> some grenadine with your bourbon. I don't so know. So we can't so we can't leave the one star review a one star review, can we? We definitely can't do that, can we? I, I, don't, I don't I don't I'll think there's anything we can do. It. I don't know. I don't know. But you know what we need to do, Mike? We need to thank our five star listeners. We do. The we regulars. Do. Here we go. Shout out. Shout out to Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Radford, Virginia, Gainesville, Florida, Frankfurt, Germany, Anoka, Minnesota, Ashburn, Virginia, Piracai, Brazil, San Diego, California, Dublin, Ireland, Boardman, Oregon, Genoa, Italy, Richardson, Texas, Barcelona, Spain, Winfield, West Virginia, Biloxi, Mississippi, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Peoria, Illinois, Katy, Texas, Toms River, New Jersey, Olive Branch, Mississippi, Asheville, North Carolina, Los Angeles, California, Spartansburg, South Carolina, Athens, Georgia, and Baton Rouge, Louisiana. There we go. Regulars, Mike. Five-star listeners. Five You know stars. what? I'm changing it right now. I'm putting it down. They're no longer known as regulars. They're known as five-star <laughs> listeners. That's what they're known as, Mike. Now, uh, what do you think would uh, be good for the semi-regulars? Do they get to be uh, three-star or four-star listeners? I would say four stars, for sure. Yeah, let's yeah. not be Yeah, let's not be haters. They're going to be four-star <laughs> listeners. All right, all right. Four-star listeners, let's give some shout-outs to these semi-regs here. Here we go. Shout-out to Columbus, Ohio. Shout-out to Nashville, Tennessee. Shout-out to Henderson, Nevada. Henderson's been staying up there, Mike. They've been staying up there. Uh, It's no no jackpot. 
but it's Henderson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, shout out to San Antonio, Texas. Shout out to Piscataway, New Jersey. Cool. San Francisco, California. Sacramento, California. St. Mary's, Georgia. Quito, Ecuador. Las Vegas, Nevada. Mm. Cherokee, Iowa. Peru, Illinois. What? Huh? Peru, Illinois. That's got to be a curveball when you're living in <laughs> Peru, Illinois. Yeah. Salt Lake City, Utah. Boise, Idaho. Snellsville, Georgia. Sao Paulo, Brazil. And Zionsville, Indiana. There we go, Mike. Nice. There we go. Mike, two quick things before we go to break for our uh, our guest today. We got a miscellaneous file here real quick. little something that uh, coincides uh, with the past couple of weeks here that we've been mentioning. Uh, Mike, I don't know if you saw these rumors. There have been rumors that Tom Brady and Reese Witherspoon are dating. What? Yeah. I yeah. Like that, I think. But people liked it. They were very happy. People around both groups were like, woo! You know, they were excited. Yeah. But it came out just a couple of days ago, Mike. Representatives from both camps, the Tom camp and the Reese camp, said no. Not true. Girl, come on! Not true. Nothing to these rumors whatsoever. Now, Mike, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say I bet if they reached out to Jacqueline and the Tom Brady camp, she was super nice about it. Yeah. That's I fact. mean, she wasn't as nice as she is to us because obviously Tom's a huge fan of our show. and Yeah, you know. we have a connection. But nonetheless, she's always super nice. So I'm betting she was like, no, they're not together, but thanks for asking and have a lovely day. You know, and she probably on. replied super quickly, too. Super quick. Five yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah. Five minutes yeah, yeah. right after, man. That's a fact. But, Mike, are you willing to bet that they are actually dating and this is some kind of low-key cover right hmm. now? Hmm. I'm going to say uh, I have no idea. But she seems I, like his type. I don't know. They're I don't think like. they are. I don't no. think they are, but I think they're talking. I think they're, like, texting right now. Mm. And, like, one of their friends let that out, you know? They're like, oh, my God, Tom's over here texting Reese Witherspoon. And whoever they told was like, oh, my God, can you believe it? They're totally boning right now. Huh? And then it just snowballed, right? Mm. And it turned into their dating. And then, like, all of a sudden now they see it on the tablets. They're like, crap, we got to keep this down on the down low, right? And they're like, what? No, we're not. So, they, I don't know. I don't know. I give it a 50-50, Mike. I got a 50-50. Uh, Doc, do you think in the future the camps will come out and say, they're texting. Mm. They're just texting I, right now. I, <laughs> I might, maybe. Maybe. We might get to that point, you know? They followed each other on Instagram. That sounds good. And uh, they're, they're doing TikToks. Things are moving in a way. We can't uh, say more. <laughs> we'll let you know when it develops. Uh, Mike, we got to open previously on the Doc G Show. Yes. Previously on the Doc G Show. My favorite. So, so, Mike, you brought up a video you'd seen of a baby being picked up by an eagle. Okay, I also sort of regret bringing this up because now I feel like I'm, uh, you know. Well, I went back. I went back and the most popular baby being snatched by eagle video Found it, and guess what? It was made by three students from a 3D animation class. Ah, they got me. 
created for a project in the class. Norman, Lowick, and Felix created this video. They said, quote, we brainstormed some ideas of what is uh, viral. Everything that's animal-related and baby-related are super popular. So we tried to bring them together and make something extraordinary that wouldn't happen every day. The video took over 400 hours to create. So 400 hours to trick you, Mike. That's pretty oh, good. man. At least they put in some work. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the school grades the project according to the amount of views each video receives. And videos that exceed 100,000 views get a perfect score. Hmm. Which I got to say, Mike, that's pretty up. Like, the school's grading to trick people? Like, I feel like, you know, somebody should be like, hey, you got to put on there that, it, like, somewhere. Like, it could be at the bottom of the caption, but it's got to be like, <laughs> hey, this isn't real. You know, like, yeah, <laughs> come on, man. Now, surprisingly, Mike, when do you think that video was made? Mm, last couple of years, maybe? 2013. Oh, wow. Yeah. 2013. And in the first in the first week that it was online, it got over 2 million views. Mm. Crazy. Crazy. But don't worry, Mike. Multiple wildlife biology professors have weighed in on the subject saying, quote, the public has nothing to fear from eagles in regard to picking up their babies. And for that matter, even their pets. So true. So there you go. There you oh go, come on! I you can't you can't confirm the pets. You can There's you can get small animals out there. Well, I think and massive eagles. I think I think they might have been saying it in the regard of of you know um you don't have if you're out there with them. Oh, that, okay. That deal, because I, ah, I can see still. where you're saying if they're if they're just like still. you know yeah if they're Birds just off savages. on on their own and yeah I could see now Mike. I also I'm sorry. I I'm sorry. I had to rewatch that video real quick. The eagle picking up the baby video because I that I just pulled that from memory. You know when I said that on the show, and that does look legit. I mean, that it looks, looks good. That looks really good. Anyway, sorry. I took four hundred four hundred hours, Mike. Now yeah. I gotta correct what I said too. I got my birds confused, Mike. I was going through that thing quickly, and I said an African gray eagle. So stupid. There's an African. <laughs> there's an African gray parrot oh, and okay. i mix that with the harpy eagle that's mm. gray and i was just like yeah yeah it's a gray african eagle <laughs> mike that's not an eagle <laughs> all right the harpy eagle if you if you google harpy eagle Huge. that's yeah. that's a scary eagle yeah, that's, that's a, a that's bird. a scary eagle right there. It's and a dog snatcher, I'm telling you. I, I you get a little, you get a. I mean, you know, you get a little like uh, Shih Tzu. Yeah, you'd probably take off with yeah, that thing. You know, for sure. Anyways, Mike, we are going to take a break. We are going to be right back with none other than Jesse Daniels right here on the Doc G Show. Show. 
because sometimes you need something playing in the background. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on 99.5 FM, Spinnaker. This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio. WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, we are super happy to have a terrific songwriter and musician who has a new live album that hits the streets, just hit the streets, titled My Kind of Country Live at the Catalyst, Mr. Jesse Daniel. Jesse, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? Doing good, man. Can't complain, you know? Can't complain. And I know you're excited. You got uh, you got shows going all the way up the coast there, the West Coast, uh, month of April. And uh, you're starting in Arizona, and uh, you're getting ready to hit the road. Are you excited? Yeah. Yeah, very uh, excited. Always looking forward to getting back to the West Coast. You know, the western half of the United States always treats us really good. Um, we just did the Midwest. That was a whole bunch of fun, too. And, uh, yeah, we just got that brand-new live record out, and we're kind of going back to the place where we made that record. And so it's uh, it's cool to kind of come back and bring that record to those people, um, especially for that specific show at the Catalyst. That's going to be a lot of fun to bring that record to a lot of the people who were there for the recording. You know, a hundred percent. I wanted to mention that. Uh, I want to. I actually want to talk about the the Catalyst in particular. But before you play the Catalyst, you're also you're going to be playing in Bakersfield on the tour. And, yeah. uh, I mean, I know you being a, a big Merle Haggard, Buck Owens guy, uh, do you get any extra, oh, yeah. get any extra performance juice, uh, before playing Bakersfield as just knowing the history? Definitely, man. Yeah. There's, um, something about it, you know, there's just something about the history that's, that's there in Bakersfield, you know, and I grew up a few hours from there, you know, a few hours from Bakersfield, but still you know Jody and I my partner Jody we would uh go to shows a lot at the at Buck Owens Crystal Palace in Bakersfield and um you know we went to uh you know the I think it was the Kern County Museum where they had a whole exhibit on country music you know and for years that's just been kind of uh such a point of interest for me that you know being from California and trying to represent uh you know, that country music history of my home state, you know, that's something that I like to learn a lot about, know a lot about. Oh, for sure. So it definitely fires me up to play, to play Bakersfield. I'm glad that we're making that stop again uh, on this tour. Nice, nice. Well, yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. So uh, the Catalyst Club there, that's obviously where the live record was recorded. And I mean, it's, it's literally yeah. just a, a few minutes from your childhood home there. And uh, it, what what was it like the, the experience of you know headlining a club that you literally used to sl- sweep the floors of, and you know now you're selling it out and you're recording a live show there. What did that experience feel like? It was uh, incredible, man. It was really incredible to go like you said from sweeping the floors and I worked security there and as a stagehand and uh 
you know, I got my my start at the Catalyst. My first show as Jesse Daniel, uh, I played at their tiny upstairs bar. And uh, when I was younger, I used to play in a lot of punk rock bands, and I had done some uh, Battle of the Bands things when I was a teenager. You know, at the Catalyst, and I just grew up going to shows there. That was kind of like the hub of where uh, all genres of music, not just you know um, punk rock or rock and roll but they had literally everything you could think of you know and i got to see a little bit of everything there and i think that's kind of what helped to round my musical uh interest growing up you know there's rock and roll punk rock they had a lot of reggae there hip-hop um but there was also great country acts country and blues acts that they'd have uh that i got to see as well so um Man, it was incredible to get to step out on that stage and see uh, all those people um, that had supported me over the years. You know, some of those people, some new people that are just catching on now. But it uh, really made me feel kind of like um, like a full full circle moment, you yeah. know, to be uh, coming back to my, my hometown community and have them support me and uh, to have kind of mended that uh relationship with my hometown because i was uh in a lot of trouble for a lot of years you know and i didn't have a great reputation so going back to that that place and being able to do something positive means the world to me nice nice well now you knew going into the show that you'd be filming and recording it um because you knew it was going to be special but did you know you were going to release, I mean, did you have the idea of we are going to release this as an album or was it just let's record this and see what happens? We, the goal was to, uh, the goal was to record it, you know, with the purpose of making a a record out of it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but we, we all kind of went into it with the idea of like, you know, let's make this as good as we possibly can. And, you know, make sure we get everything dialed and all the sound and, make sure the band's as tight as we can possibly be. Um, but you never know, you know, stuff can go wrong. Um, there were a few songs that I would have loved to put on the live record that, uh, didn't make the cut because there was some feedback and some, some stuff, you know, stuff goes wrong. That just happens, uh, in a live setting. You can never hundred percent prepare, but, uh, so yeah, we, we went in with the idea of making that album, and so I'm really glad that it turned out the way that it did. I mean, that's 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 a to me that's a lot of added pressure there, on top of the oh, homecoming show and everything. I mean, we're the, I'm guessing the nerves were a little bit through the roof on that one. Definitely, you know, to have, have it uh, be the the biggest crowd that we had ever had, you know, in in the hometown. Um, there's a thousand people sold out crowd everybody was singing the words to every song and it was uh you know you it felt like uh we felt like the rolling stones or something like that you know that was like the closest taste of anything like that i've ever had you know to having that many people singing the words to your songs and stuff so it was definitely nerve-wracking going out uh onto the stage at first i think during the first song I say, Santa Cruz, California, how are you doing out there? And then uh, the next thing I say is just, wow. <laughs> That's like truly how I felt. I was like, wow, this is pretty, it blew me away. It was pretty incredible. Wow. Okay, I wasn't expecting that. That was too much, guys. You brought too yeah. much. I'm not ready. Uh, it, <laughs> it, was, it was wild. But 
Well, I mean, speaking of that, I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, you couldn't use a couple of the songs because of just technical issues and things like that. Um, what what was your favorite part, like going back and, and listening to it as far as everything that you captured on that show? When you go back and listen to it now, what's the part that's just like, yeah, man, that came out awesome. That was like a song or a moment that you, you like on that album just so much that you're like, that's the show in a nutshell. Man, um, really, in, in that first song, right after that, I think it was actually after uh, Bringing Home the Roses, when I'm like, Santa Cruz, how you doing? And then uh, kind of address everybody, just the roar of the crowd. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of captures the energy that was that was there yeah. um, that night, you know? And there are moments throughout the record, you know, where... Uh, we have breakdowns where the crowd is singing with us, um, and you can really hear how fired up people were. Uh, there's one guy, I'm not sure exactly who it was, but there's one guy who just keeps yelling throughout the whole show, and you can kind of hear him if you listen. He's like, yeah! yeah! It's like the same yell throughout the whole, you hear it on every after every song. And uh, I get a kick out of that. That's pretty cool. He's been um, he's been immortalized. That, exactly, man. You know, he was fired up, and I think that uh, what makes the whole thing special to me is just the fact that there is that interaction with the fans and with the crowd versus just a studio record that's just us in the studio and the songs. Yeah. Like there's this give and take and this push and pull of energy, and you could definitely feel that, you know, just by listening to it. Yeah. For sure, you de- you definitely get. I mean, you get get the feel. It was recorded well. I mean, as far as the sound, I mean, it it, it sounds great coming through. The songs sound good on the album. It's uh, we're gonna take a take a listen after after the interview to a couple of them. Well, oh, yeah, sure. Now, is this the is this the first show? The one coming up here on the fourteenth. Is this the first time you've played the Catalyst since the live recording? Yes. Yeah, that'll be the first time we played uh, the Santa Cruz area um, since then. So nice. it'll be uh, it'll be good to get back there and bring that record to them. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, people want to buy buy the buy the live version and see the see the see the live version at the same time. Get it. it won't be instant, but they can imagine that they were at the 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 recorded version. They can be like, "Yeah, that was it was close enough." I was sure. a year I was a year later. It was close enough. Uh, <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. We went ahead and switched up our uh, our live set a little bit. We added in some new things this year just to uh, to keep people interested and to keep it from getting too. You know, we just put out a live record of those songs, yeah. so we didn't want to go back and play all the same stuff. Uh, so we threw in some new covers. Um, we got some stuff that we hadn't been playing off of the first record, and uh, I brought back my uh, my Telecaster. I've been playing electric uh, live for nice. a portion of the show too, and so we just really tried to make you know the best possible show this year that we could give. Nice, nice. Well, now, uh, like I mentioned, I mean, you grew up right around the Catalyst, and it's absolutely beautiful place. I mean, Redwood Parks around that area you're you're up in the mountains uh and i gotta i I gotta wonder it's i mean to me it's one of my favorite places i always bring up the redwood parks as being like my favorite national parks i've ever been to 
Uh, and you've seen you've yeah. seen a lot of you know a whole lot of the country touring. Obviously, are there any countrysides mm-hmm. that you would put higher than your your hometown that you saw and you were like, well, that's just that's majestic? Because I feel like it's got to be as far as natural beauty, it's got to be one of the most beautiful places there is. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I think growing up there because I grew up in Ben Lomond, mm-hmm. California, just right up the road from uh, from there. And, um, Ben Lomond, you know, in the spring and summertime, like I remember as a kid, uh, you know, there's one main street, there's highway nine that runs through town. And then there's one main street called mill street. And it's about as small town America as you could imagine. You know, we have like a, a small park that backs up to the river where they used to dam the river and kids would swim in the summer. Um, you know, we had the grocery store, the liquor store, thrift shop. And uh, just a bunch of like small businesses, you know, gas station, uh, there's a glass shop, there's a metal shop, there's a bunch of stuff like that. But it's a very small town. And just the way that like the trees and the mountains kind of all surround this town, uh, it'll always be probably my favorite place, at least in my mind, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, because I just have that nostalgia for it. And like you said, the natural beauty of all the redwoods and the trees and the rivers, um, but, you know, some of the most – I've been to a lot of beautiful places. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily put them higher because I think my hometown will always kind of own that space in my head for the most nostalgic. But yeah. I love uh, Northern California. I think up near, um, you know, far Northern California, like up near Redding, that's some of the most beautiful country that I've ever been to. Uh, I love it up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's gorgeous. And, you know, Montana, Idaho. Mm-hmm. Colorado states like that. I, I'm definitely kind of a mountain person. I love uh, that landscape. No, for sure. But man, I mean, there's beauty everywhere. I've been, you know, all through the the southeast. You know, I love I love it out there. Texas has a lot of beauty. It's hard. I'm just a fan of a uh, a fan of nature. You know, mm-hmm. so I like to go to places and get to do whatever the the cool thing is to do there. You know. For sure, for sure. Well, going over the the history of your your career, you, you mentioned it. You were you were into punk. You got your first sort of start in in drums, not not in guitar. And you were you you played with your dad. Uh, your dad was in a band, Radio Flyer. You 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 covered every now and then on drums with him. And uh, I heard yeah. you said you know you you were in that that punk scene. I'm guessing that was like. Were you into like the '80s California movement? Was it the the Black Flag, Social Distortion, those those yeah. bands? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, man, that's so that's so cool and refreshing to hear you say that because, uh, and this is no slight on anybody else, but like I'll meet other musicians in the country realm. They'll be like, "Oh, I was into punk too," and or this or that, or people will be like, "You were into punk? Was it like this?" And they'll name like a bunch of like 2000s kind of emo. <laughs> type stuff you know and i'm like that that was for whatever reason in the realm i was in was like the most uncool yeah thing you know we we liked like 80s and 90s you know punk rock like you know like you said black flag uh adolescence Mm -hmm. bands like that Uh, i loved like the la hardcore stuff um and i love just just you know kind of the early hardcore in general, bands like Cro-Mags and uh, Bad Brains and stuff like that. That was 
that was all my favorite type of stuff. It was nice. It was energetic. It was angry, you know, <laughs> but uh, it had a lot of a lot of emotion to it, you know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Wait, now I I heard your you first played uh, Battle of the Bands at, at Slim's in San Francisco, and yeah. I, I sort of wonder, you know, because it happens to a lot of people. Was it one of those things that you played that and immediately after that show in your head were you like, that's it. I've got to be famous in a punk band and that's the only option. Pretty much, uh, you know, that even before then, you know, when I would uh, see my dad play, when I would watch him play at, uh, you know, bars and at events and stuff like that, I just remember thinking that's what I want to do with my life. That's, that's where I want to be. I want to make a living doing that somehow. And then once I got to do like that slim show and, uh, you get to play, you know, other places locally. I, once I got a little older, I got to tour regionally with some of those punk bands and do, you know, just weekend trips down to Southern California or, you know, up into the Bay area or wherever. Um, it was just a lot of fun to get out on the road and to, to play music, even though I was never making any money with these bands. You know, I knew that there was the potential to do that in some way. Yeah. And, uh, and to make a living doing what you love, you know, so that's, that definitely lit the fire for me for sure. Nice. Nice. Well, I, you, you've made it fairly well known, um, that you, you had a, a rough time dealing with opioid addiction. Uh, there was a strong time, a long time there in in the middle between sort of punk rock and country, where you were you were in and out of rehab and and in and out of addiction. Um, and I yeah. so, I sort of wonder because I hear it all the time. You know, uh, listening to your interviews, I hear the interviewers like myself bring it up, and I sort of wonder: Do you, do you ever get tired of talking about it? Do you ever get like do you, when when somebody brings up like me are you like hey I've got music you turd we don't need to talk about that <laughs> Oh no I mean not really man I definitely uh, I appreciate you saying that but I uh you know it's it's kind of become part of my story you know as far as my story as, personally as as me but also as Jesse Daniel it's kind of what people um know about me you know and it it doesn't bother me at all because it's uh, country music is kind of the thing that that when I segued into playing country music from punk rock and from you know being out on the street and being addicted to drugs and stuff like that uh, transition really was what changed my life you know and that that music for years you know even when I was in in the addiction and, and when I was playing in punk bands I mean I was a country music fan I loved country music yeah and a lot of other punk rockers and guys that I knew also did you know that's the thing that a lot of people don't realize is even though it's two different types of music I think they're very similar in the way that they have a lot of uh soul behind them a lot of like emotion and power behind them and uh that's why I connected with country because it was hard hitting and it was true. It was just honest music, you know, just like punk is. And so I think they kind of go hand in hand together, you know, just because, you know, my story is what got me uh, into this type of music and uh, or into playing this type of music and right. having a career, you know. So I, I don't really fault anybody, you know, for bringing it up. And uh, I'm happy to try to inspire anybody who might be uh, struggling with it to uh, 
um, you know, see light at the end of the tunnel, maybe get through it. For sure. For sure. Well, now, uh, I heard you talking about like, you know, that sort of time before you got fully sober and you're talking about how you had these, you know, odd jobs, right? And I heard you talking about you were plumbing and landscaping and delivery. And I wanted to ask you about one that I just couldn't pass up because it just sounded too interesting. I heard you say you passed out uh-huh. flyers in Honolulu when you were homeless. Yeah. You got you got to give me a yeah. little bit more detail on this job because I might go pass out fly, uh, flyers in Honolulu. That sounds good. Honestly, man, looking back at it, it was kind of like, you know, somebody in their early 20s or, you know, late teens, early 20s, like a dream job, you know. Uh, I got to... So I'll back up a little bit. Uh, yeah, that sounds crazy. Just saying <laughs> it like that. The story, the story behind the Honolulu deal was, um, I had a friend or a guy that my mom, my mom was friends with a woman. Mm-hmm. She had a son who I kind of knew a little bit, who was uh, a drug addict. He had some issues with drugs also, mm-hmm. and he was older than me. But she had, she was like at her wits' end with him. And uh, she had totally written him off. And I guess he had an uncle who lived in Honolulu. So he decided to go over there to this uh, program. First off, it was on the Big Island. It was uh, in a right outside of Hilo on the Big Island called the mm-hmm. uh, Teen Challenge. It's like a Christian. It was a free Christian program that you basically go and you have to be a part of the church and you work. Mm-hmm. You know, they put you, you they put you to work. So. I had heard that this guy was out there and my mom was like, yeah, well, her son is out there and he's doing really good. You know, if you ever want to give that a try, I can get you in touch with those people. So I got their number. I got in touch with them and, uh, they were like, if you come up with the plane ticket, we'll accept you into this, this program. So I got that together. Um, I got a ticket out there, one way ticket. And I went to this program and, uh, it was a little shack out in the middle of the jungle in Puna, which is like a rural uh, area outside of Hilo on the big Island. And uh, they just put our asses to work. Basically they, <laughs> they would, you know, we did a bunch of masonry, you know, they'd have us do all kinds of different jobs. Uh, they'd be like, here's a huge field and we need you guys to clear this whole field today, you know, and go out and do it. One hand, it was really good for us, you know, cause it's uh, it, got us to sweat and to, to work hands, and to yeah. really kind of exactly man and so anyway i was out there with this guy colin was his name i, I won't say his last name colin <laughs> i hope i'm not putting you on but i was out here with this guy and uh eventually you know uh, the goal was this program would graduate you to a place in honolulu so I got real sick of this place. Uh, the living conditions were not good. There's cockroaches and rats in our beds. It was just insane. And so I decided to leave. So I was homeless on Big Island for a while. I ended up scrounging up enough money to get a plane ticket to Honolulu on the next island over. And uh, went into a Salvation Army program. I was there with Colin, my buddy, for a while. And uh, after a while, after about a year and a half of being there, that's when I left and I was like, that's it. I'm going to get a job and I'm just going to bum it out here on the streets until I can get myself into a place. And so I got this job, long story short, I got this job passing out flyers for a shuttle company 
um, it was this super weird kind of nefarious shuttle company. And the guy would show up like twice a day and he'd give, he'd load us up with flyers, huge stacks of, of flyers to pass out. And I mean, I didn't own a pair of shoes. I just had some shorts and a t-shirt and a backpack. And this guy would be like, you want to work? You know, you go recruit young guys to work for him. And so we just pass these things out all day and keep track of our hours. And at the end of the day, he'd come and hand you a stack of cash, you know, and it was like not great money, but it was enough to get beer and whatever else. And so uh, that was the story behind that. But I did that for a while and it kind of financed my uh, whatever while I was over <laughs> there living living on the beach of Honolulu. So, it sounds like I always, low, low, uh, you know, low input. Uh, and and not too much uh, as far as uh, as far as uh, you, connection there. It's uh, not bad. It's like you said, if you're a, a young young guy looking for some carryover money, it might be all right. Yeah, if you're just looking for some money to feed yourself and to party while you're crashing on the beach, that's the job for you, man. There you go. There you go. Well, but uh, it was yeah, it's crazy, man. I look back on some of the the different, uh, you know periods in my life that I've had and things I've been in. Uh, I want to write a book someday just about those things because I've got stories. I've just got crazy stories, you know, uh, that you wouldn't think we're all from the same person's <laughs> life. You know what I mean? Very disjointed. Things. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I mean, now, a, a big reason that you got sober and you started focusing more on music is like you said you, you brought her up earlier your partner jody um you you met her at bandit town uh which a uh, festival there in california and she was doing tattoos mm -hmm. uh in in the dining hall she's a great tattoo artist i've seen some of her uh work out there on the internet uh very uh impressive oh, yeah. and she did uh she did a i heard she did a little rooster on you at the time as far as the tattoo, yep. I got to ask, mm -hmm. since you've been with her now several years, how many Jody specials do you have on your body now? Man, I've, I've got a, a good amount. I mean, she, so she, Jody quit tattooing and closed her shop and everything to basically to move out here where we're at now in Texas, um, you know, to focus on managing uh, music full time and singing with the band. And that's what we've been doing since. But before that, uh, I worked at Jody's tattoo shop uh, with her, you know, just kind of helping her out. And um, one of the perks was I would get tattooed, you know, pretty frequently. So I got, she did uh, Eagle on my chest that I really like. Uh, it's one of my favorites. She did uh, some roses on my ribs. Uh, I've got a, I've got a whole bunch of Jody. I always <laughs> tell people that the Jody tattoos are the good tattoos that I have, <laughs> you know. Yeah. All the all the other ones are just ones I collected over the years from friends that learned in prison or whatever. <laughs> well, now yeah. uh, you mentioned. I mean, she she sings in the band. She helps write. She manages. How long did it take you to realize that she was a great singer and could co-write songs? Like, when did that come along? Sort of in you knowing her and you thinking, you know, what she needs to tour with the band and whatnot. Um, you know, we, when Jody and I met, um, we kind of immediately shared that love for music and I was, uh, kind of immediately aware that she was a good singer, you know, and had good songs and good ideas for songs. 
And uh, it was always a part of our relationship. And then after a few years, uh, we really just, she was already kind of involved in it in a way, you know, and helping me with things and really gave me direction, you know, where I had no direction. Uh, I, was, I knew I wanted to make country music, but she really helped to kind of focus where the direction of this music was going and everything. And uh, it was a really natural progression. You know, she just kind of became a part of it. And then before long, it was like, it just, it made sense just to have her be, you know, full time. Nice. Uh, a part of it because it was what we were working on. Nice. Nice. Well, I, I heard you say yeah. uh, that the song uh, Don't Push Your Luck, which a uh, great song. It's one from back in the day there. It was originally on the, oh, yeah. the first EP that you you, you put out. Um, I heard that, yeah. that song, you said, like, that was the first one that you felt was a good one. Like, when you, when you wrote it, you were like, man, this, this is good. What... Uh, what made you think that about that song? What 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 could you tell? What was different there? You know, uh, I think that, that one, you know, as far as that was like one of the first songs, uh, one of the first ones that I actually liked that I wrote, definitely, you know. And now I look back and I'm like, I was a very early, you know, uh, first take at, at writing country music for me, you know, and I'd written that song, I think a couple years before, uh, I recorded it even. Um, but you know, I liked it because it was, uh, in a weird way. I, I look back on the writing style and I'm like, I would have done this different, this different, this different, you know? Yeah. But I look back on it. It was honest. That was it. It was just kind of talking about, uh, a little bit about my life and my story and like in a kind of, uh, weird way just kind of what i'd been through and where i was at you know mm -hmm. so I, I liked that i also liked just the way it turned out you know we recorded it and i wanted it to sound kind of like a merle haggard song and uh we captured that recording and um i was just happy with it you know it was the first thing that i had made that i was kind of happy with so you know so I, that's that that ep there. i actually get like you know it, it's funny because i was talking about the you know the the California punk, I actually get a little bit of like social distortion from that song. Like it has, cause I mean, I know they've gone oh, in really? some of the, they've gone in that route on a couple of their songs in their later years, not obviously in their earlier stuff, sure. but I get, I, I get just a little bit like I, it has that edge in there. It definitely has, you know, it's like you said, that connection between, punk and and right. uh it's got the edge of basically you know don't push your luck you gotta you know what, what you gotta you gotta go with what you got right now um but it definitely yeah, yeah it definitely comes out sounding great and you mentioned it as far as sort of changing your sound evolving what do you think has changed mm -hmm. the most i mean since put don't push your luck you know you've had three full-length albums what what's evolved in that songwriting what's changed how do you look at it are the biggest changes that you look at differently now oh you know um when i you know it kind of depends like if i'm writing a like a story song like a song about something like i have i figured out how to write and have uh, a little bit more of a streamlined approach to like what i'm trying to say like using fewer words to get the point across and having it be more uh, of substance, you know, without as much filler. Mm -hmm. And uh, on the first record, you know, my first full-length full record, 
I love a lot of those songs, you know, but I look back at like the songwriting structure and some of the songs are like close to five minutes long. And I think that was because I was trying to tell a story, but I was trying to fit so much in, in like, you know, three or four verses. Whereas now I would go back and I would maybe kind of edit that down and condense it to like two strong verses, Mm -hmm. you know, less is more type of thing. You know, Mm -hmm. that's one thing I've learned how to do. Uh, a little bit of self-editing and condensing like you know in my songwriting as I've gotten older and just written more and uh, still I hear stuff that I wrote you know six months ago and I'm like man I need to fix that or this or that it's kind of like a always evolving thing for me oh for sure it's 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 both you know you you go back it's funny I think it's with a lot of things it's with any craft you go back and you look at the earlier stuff and some of it, you you think, oh my god, I can't believe I did that. Why why did I do that? But then at the same time, right. you see other stuff, and you're like, man, that was awesome. I need to do more stuff like yeah. that. I came up with that. That was good. Like you know, like yeah, yeah, that's so true. But now, uh, right now on Spotify, your number one song um, is "Rolling On." Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. you love all your songs. Um, so, you know, they're your songs. I get it. But like, can you see when you see that song is number one, you're like, yeah, I get it. I get why people gravitate towards that one. I do honestly for that one. Yeah. That song, uh, cause I remember writing that song and then when we recorded it, I remember the feeling that I had and I had this kind of like just visceral, like, yeah, you know, feeling about that one like it really came across uh all the instrumentation that song is just kind of tough you know it has this tough feeling when it comes in and i was happy with the vocals on it i was happy with the you know kind of what the song was about to me you know as far as just being fed up with the way things were and uh moving on from it you know and i think a lot of people kind of just resonated with that and it it also has that kind of anthony chorus that you can sing along with sure. um, so it makes sense to me and i'm really glad that they that people have gravitated towards that one because yeah. i love that song i'm playing it definitely definitely well now uh talking about your songwriting the other day uh i was i was uh reading an interview uh with one of the artists <laughs> who i i really uh love current artist benjamin todd and uh in the yeah. article he uh he was asked the interviewer asked him uh whose music uh or current music musical artists do you really admire who do you admire their songwriting and uh in that article he actually says you he's one of the you're one of the artists that he said he really admires the songwriting um i'm I'm gonna, i'm gonna go out on a limb and guess that that's mutual admiration as far as his music as well sure Definitely, man. Yeah, definitely. When I, you were talking about some of those jobs that I had worked, uh, I did plumbing. You know, I worked for a friend of mine who was a plumber and uh, I would just go crawl under houses for him and I'd do like the stuff that he needed help with that didn't take any real skill, you know. But uh, one of the, the bands and groups that he had always playing on that job site was a Lost Dog Street Band and, uh, you know, some of Ben's stuff as well, you know. And, uh, yeah, just his songwriting. There was a song I remember, I think it was called, uh, Hell's Canyon mm-hmm. or 
the Devil's Canyon. I can't remember. I want to say it was Hell's Canyon. And uh, I just remembered hearing the songwriting and the production on that. And that's kind of what sold me on, like, the, you know, Ben's whole deal. And then, you know, when you've heard an artist's name around for a long time and you haven't really given it a chance. Yeah. And then finally something just clicks and you're like, okay, I'm going to dive into this. And that's when I started kind of listening to his lyrics and uh, his honesty in his songs about his story and everything. And the dude's the real deal. Like, he's got a really gnarly story and he's been there. He's lived that stuff. And that's something that I can relate with, uh, you know, in that it's just honest. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that. So uh, we hopped on a phone call a while back and and just kind of talked about all that stuff. And uh, he's a cool dude. I like Ben a lot. He he definitely had I mean hit the emotion in his voice. That's one of the things that I I, I love about his music is it's 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 it's, it's in there. Uh, it, but, you know it's yeah, it's on a layer before you even get to the lyrics, and then the, it connects with obviously the lyrics as well. Um, but another guy, sort of, I would say similar as far as the emotion and the voice that you got to spend the night with. Uh, playing songs the other night I saw on Instagram uh, was Tyler Childers. Um, you were both at the Grammy oh, yeah. Museum there for a documentary. Uh, they called us Outlaws. Yeah. Uh, and this this mm-hmm. documentary is, it's going to be basically documenting outlaw country from the, the 70s with Waylon and Willie to, to current day. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you tell us like what your part was and what you're going to be uh, sort of adding to that, that film. Yeah. So that's the, from what my understanding was basically they had finished most of the, uh, the filming for it. Mm-hmm. And I think there was like a final episode they were working on and then like a follow up to it that they were finishing. And uh, our mutual friend from the people who were making it, and and mine shooter Jen, <clears throat> shooter Jennings he um, basically put us in touch and he was like you know I think you'd be a good uh, person to, to talk to and to, to kind of be a part of this in some way so he invited us to be a part of this show the showcase for it um, you know with Tyler and uh, uh, who else was on there it was John R. Miller and like some other guys like that mm-hmm. and uh I mean, uh, it was pretty crazy to get to have, you know, Jesse Coulter there. That was, that was insane. Yeah. Um, but we got linked up basically from shooter. Like he's just such a good connector of people and such a, uh, humble kind guy. Um, he put us in touch and then Eric, the guy who's, you know, the whole head honcho of the thing, he basically was like, Hey, we want to do like an interview for you. And, uh, you know, we sat down and did some things. And so I'm not sure exactly where it's at or what capacity I'm going to be in it. But I know that uh, there should be something in the works with that. So from what I I'm excited see, to see whatever together. From what I could see on the internet, it seems like it's supposed still supposed to be out sometime this year. So sometime in 2023. But that's yep. all I that's all I could find. That was the most I could find on it. So. Hopefully, I mean, it looks like yeah, an amazing series. It's going to be really cool, man. Just getting to see the little bit that I did at that premiere, you know, is, uh, is really cool. And they've got a lot of good, uh, 
you know, people a part of it. So I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, what the whole series looks like, you know? Yeah. Well, now while we're waiting for the documentary and while we're, we're listening to my kind of country or, uh, live at the catalyst there, are you planning on, are you in the works of any new studio material or is that down the line further? Yeah, I've uh, I've got a whole record's worth of songs, and uh, you know we we plan to be hopefully hitting the studio this year. Not sure if that's going to happen, but uh, you know I'm always writing. Always, you know, if there's the record's worth of songs, and I write a better song than one of these songs, that song might just get knocked off the list. So I'm just going to keep uh, keep writing and keep stacking those songs, and uh, making sure that whatever we do is going to be. I want it to be the best record that we've ever made. You know, that's kind of my goal for the next one. And to, uh, you know, wherever, however we record it, I want it to just be um, the most hard-hitting record we've ever done. So that's nice. that's my plan. I don't know when it's going to be, but I know it won't be too long in the distant future. Nice, nice. Well, I got two other things before we let you go. The first one, uh, this yeah. is just really cool for you. Uh, here in 2023, in August you're getting to go to England. That's, uh, that, it, yeah. Now, is that the first time? First time, man. I've never been overseas. And so that'll be our London show is sold out already. Awesome. And, uh, we've got another one in Swansea and another one in Birkenhead. And I've never been over there. So I don't know exactly location wise where those are in relation to each other, but I'm really looking forward to getting there. And, uh, yeah, we're doing Europe this year for the first time. We're going to be doing uh, Belgium, the Netherlands, Spain, France, and England, I Man, believe. Nice. If I'm leaving anybody out, I'm sorry. I got to look at the calendar again. I'm pretty sure that's it, though. That's, I mean, they uh, Europe brings the love for country. They have they have a strong they love do. for it, man. They do, yeah. They, they just—they've uh, always been, you know, big supporters, like on, online and whatnot, mm-hmm. buying records from us. So, I'm looking forward to getting over there and finally, finally bringing a show for those people. For sure, for sure. Well, the last thing I wanted to say—I I saw this cruising through all the pictures. Got a lot of fun things on Instagram, and I just saw this one, and I, I had to ask about it. Um, how's Tater and yeah. JoJo? How how are they doing? Oh, Tater and JoJo. They're good, man. They're good. Uh, yeah, they just were. There are little uh, barn cats that just showed up uh, on Christmas. Actually, they showed up, and we were having a crazy storm where it was like, you know, fifteen degrees. It was really cold. Yeah. And we, we were like, somebody dropped them off. They had to have. And we were like, these cats are gonna die if we don't take them in. So we basically took them in, and we were planning to get rid of them after that because we have a dog uh, named Bandit. And we didn't know how they would get along. Uh, but now they have made themselves uh, fixtures at our house. We can't get rid of them. That's what cats do. And they do. get along with Bandit. They all kind of, they, they coexist, man. So they're doing really good. They're getting huge. Well, I heard, I, heard uh, I think I saw actually in the comments, I think Jody actually put in the comments, she said that you're allergic. Are you guys actually allergic? I am, yeah. I'm allergic to cats. Uh, <laughs> you know, so they're, they're mostly outdoor. They're mostly outdoor cats. They'll come in for, you know, a couple hours here and there once in a while. But, uh, 
but we can't have them like living inside because that all the pet dander and stuff it'll just get my uh, my lungs man it'll get my throat and my lungs all messed up can't can't have that for but, singing that's for sure that's for sure no but it's it's but a, I'll suffer just a little bit of it for those cats they're pretty cute I was about to say it's a good thing that you took in Tater and Jojo I'm sure they're appreciative too they might not admit it. But I'm sure they're appreciative. They, uh, you know, yeah. cats are fairly stubborn on that one. But Jesse, I want to thank you, man, for taking yeah, the time with us uh, today. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, you got it, Ben. Thanks so much for having me on, man. And uh, great, great questions that you had. That was a lot of fun to talk with you. Appreciate it. Look forward to next time. Yeah, for sure. Listeners, make sure you go out there and get My Kind of Country live at The Catalyst. It's on vinyl. It's fantastic. We got our copy coming to us here in the studio. You can stream all of Jesse's music or you can follow him on social media at the Jesse Daniel. Uh, right now, let's take a listen to Rolling On. Let's have a good time with this last one. Come on. At the Catalyst, right here on the Doc G Show. Sitting here, feeling low with lack of inspiration Looking for someone to solve it all I'm tired of the uproar and all the useless information And I can't help but hear that highway stall
And on the bass, out of Austin, Texas, that's T-Bone Heritage. Holding down the backing vocals and percussion, that is lovely Miss Jody Lyford. And over there on the guitar, from Austin, Texas, that's Austin Roach. And last but not least, back there on the drums, holding it all together, from Taylor, Texas, that is Chris Shane. Appreciate each and every one of you coming out tonight, spending your hard-earned dollars to come see our show. I do not take that for granted, and I want you to know how much it means to me. But I need one more thing from you. We're going to build it up, and I'm going to need you to help me sing this one. Anybody in the back there, come on, squish it up to the front. Let's go.
are back here on the Doc G Show. Jesse Daniels. Fantastic, Mike. Fantastic. You know, it seemed like he appreciated my question if he ever gets tired of talking about being an addict and having to uh, get sober. I think he does get tired of it. But he understands how big of an impact it was in his life. You know, it's one of those things... That he wants to be like, yeah, yeah sure. I don't, I don't want to f and talk about it anymore. But he also realizes he's like, yeah, it also sort people. of, it was, yeah, it helps people. It got me where I was, that kind of deal, you know. So, yeah. but like, I just as him, I'd be like, I don't want to f and talk about it. Talk about my music, like you know, like, <laughs> like, yeah, I get it, I get it. But fantastic yeah. music nonetheless, and just a fantastic guy all the way around. And mm-hmm. Mike, I don't know if you've seen. But you need to check out his fiance's uh, tattoo work. It's impressive. Mm. She's got all kinds of crazy, crazy good tattoos. She's not tattooing full time anymore. She she's a singer in his band. But uh, man, she's got multiple talents there. Multiple talents. Not a brothers. If you got time, guys. If you got time, make sure get out there. Check out some Jesse Daniels. Buy his album. Uh, I would put it up to the. Uh, the camera but it's too far away from me but trust me guys i'm not lying it's right over there it's right out of my <laughs> it's right out of my gra- grasp mike we got to move on we got to move on to the fastest growing segment in the world doc g top three and our topic this week mike was songs that remind us of summer now we didn't do top three in just a straight top three i told you let's do an old song, yeah. let's do a song from growing up, and let's do a semi-current song. Now, Mike, I should have known, like anything music-wise, this is way too hard for me, one song from these areas, I got honorable mentions for every single group. <laughs> okay. Every single group. So let's start with the oldie but a goodie, the one before we were born. Do you have any honorable mentions in this hmm. group? Yeah, so this would be a youth summer song for me. Uh, Naughty by Nature, Feel Me Flow. I mean, now, summer, oh, wait, wait. Now, now, you, now you took, now you're saying you ordered them in all three, and that's what your number three is, is the one from your youth. Uh, well, no, that was just an honorable mention. Oh, have, that was uh, honorable. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we're going before born, but that was youth, that and was, then current. Yeah. Yeah, but okay. that was your only honorable mention? Only honorable mention, yeah. Naughty by Nature, Feel Me Flow. That's okay. a summary song, IMO. I love it. I love it. Basically, yeah. all Naughty by Nature I'll put up there in summer. Like OPP, mm. I mean, come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hip Hop Hooray, yeah. come on. That's a summer song, too. It's, yeah, wow. Yeah, totally, It's very, yeah, totally very summer for, for uh, Naughty by Nature. Mike, uh, let's go ahead and go to the Before We Were Born. I'm going to start okay. the Before We Were Born with my honorable mentions. This okay. one almost got it for me. I love this song. Tommy James, Dragging the Line. Dragging the Line. Dragging the Line. I don't know if huh. you ever heard that song. I don't it's know a fantastic one. Yeah, I don't know about that one. Is This Probably Love, not. Bob Marley, another honorable mention that almost got it. That's a, I mean, mm. basically all Bob Marley's tracks. Could You Be Loved, also very high up there. Yeah. Three Birds, very high up there. I mean, Jammin', very high up there. 
Also, Hotel California, Eagles, my God, mm. what a summer song. Yeah, uh, for Then sure. your, your favorite of Yonder Mountain String Band, except the original, Dancing in the Moonlight, King Harvest, mm. the original. Love it. And then another honorable mention, Mike, Jerry Rafferty, right down the line. Ooh. Oh, that's so okay. summer. That's Yacht Rock right there. That's Yacht, Yacht Rock, Rock summer. That's a fact. Now, your Before You Were Born summer song that you chose, Mike. <laughs> Well, of course, uh, it doesn't get much more commercial than this, but Surfing USA by the Beach Boys. <laughs> nice. Nice, Mike. I'll be honest. I feel, I mean, it's like I said, I could put a million on there, and I didn't even think of the Beach Boys. I know that's, wow. that's dumb I thought, to I say. Gonna, I thought that was going to be an honorable mention for sure. No, I didn't even huh. think of them. Now I feel bad for not even thinking about them, man. Yeah. Like, I, I went later. I went, like, 70s, even though, you know, it was before we are born. Like, I went 70s instead of, like, 60s, you know? Now, I think if I went Beach Boys, though, if I'm being honest, it would either be Good Vibrations or uh, Kokomo. Those are those are mm, my two Kokomo. most. Kokomo, that was in my head. Yeah. That's the uh, Aruba, Bahama, Jamaica. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, So that would be a, that you. would be a um, honorable, honorable mention for me. Nice, yeah, for sure. nice. Mike, my summertime hit, and I just love this song. It's one of the just. I mean, it's it's in my like favorite of all time, regardless. Summer Breeze, Seals and Croft. Summer Breeze. Oh, Summer Breeze makes me feel fine. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like I know that jasmine one. In my oh, so good. So good, Mike. Love that jam. Mm. Just set you at ease, man. That song is nice. Now, Mike, let's go to uh, Growing Up songs. Now, again, I've got a lot here. I'm just going to run through these honorable mentions real fast. Sublime, what I got. Got to be a summer song. Mm, Amazing. Tupac, when I uh, I get around. Amazing summer song. Ice Cube, It Was a Good Day. Amazing summer song. Return of the Mac, Mark Morrison. Amazing mm. summer song. Yeah, it really is. I mean, just imagine you're going to the public pool. You're showing up. You're walking down the side of the pool, taking your shirt off, return of the max jamming. You're high-fiving people. Ladies are oohing and aahing at you. Yeah, return of the Mac. The lifeguard's Um, waving at you. That's right. You're like, yeah, what's up? (laughs) What's up, lifeguards? Tupac, (laughs) To Live and Die in L.A., Mike. I know that was one of your faves. Such a summer song. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Scar Tissue. Such a summer song. Mariah Carey, Fantasy, such a summer song. KRS-One, Step Into a World, oh, summer song. Now, Mike, I actually went sort of old on my my growing up song, but I was still alive, so it still counts. But what's your uh, growing up song? Wow, I don't know how you didn't hit this in your honorable mentions, but Summertime by DJ Jazzy Jeff and the I Fresh I thought Prince. about it. I thought about it. It was there, and I mean, I love that That's jam. Yeah. Summer, summer, summertime. That's it. It's a good jam, man. That is definitely a good jam. It's definitely summer. It's cookout. It's a vibe. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, it's a vibe. I love it. Mine, though, it does. It is in the name. It is in the name. Don Henley, Boys of Summer. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so good, man. And Don Henley's yeah. voice, it is pure gold, man. Yeah, it just yeah. makes me think. It just makes me think I'm in some, you know, convertible 
cruising down A1A, the palm trees blowing, the sun's down low, you got that humidity vibe on you, you got just a little bit of a glisten from the heat. Ah, oh, oh, I love Beautiful. it, Mike. Beautiful. I love it. I paint that's a picture. A, that's art. I, yeah. I paint a picture. Now, our, nice. our, um, I feel like we're, I feel like we're not giving, I feel like I should just have a full show about this Doc G top three. Like, this is just way too much, Mike. So true. But the current song, I've got several current ones. Uh, honorable mentions, Dom Kennedy, Tomorrow. That sort of fell because it's like 2013. I was like, yeah, well, that's pretty late. That's Okay. But then uh, I'm the one, DJ Khaled. That was like 2018, 17, mm. something like that. Bull Ride, Magic City Hippies. Such a jam. One of their best. I love that. So summery. Trap Queen, Fetty Wap. Such a summer yeah. song. <laughs> Trap Queen. Buddy by Shine. That's a great one. And then, uh, Mike, I'll save my, uh, my actual nomination. What is your current summer song? So I'm going to, I might have to, I don't know if I could play this, but uh, it's called. The song is titled This Girl and it's by Kung's Cooking on Three Burners. Hold up. Kung's. I don't know if you recognize that, but uh, amazing. It's just got, it's just the vibe. It's, it's I love a good it. vibe. I don't actually know that song. I'm going to have to go check it out. It's okay. Yeah, it's a. It's probably some house music or something. It's a deep Spotify cut. Threw at me. It's yeah. a deep cut. It's I been like on a it. playlist for the for a while. It's been on I like a good playlist. that's why it's there though, Mike. It's yeah. your fave, and I love that it's there. Now, Mike, I'm going much more commercial. I'm going much more pop here. What do you got? Broccoli, drum, featuring Little Yachty. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a, good, a summer song, Mike. Imagine yourself there in the hammock. Beside the pool. Oh, I forgot about that song. I'm gonna add yeah, that. man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not. It that's a, it's crazy how fast the turnover is. Cause that's all. That's I that's know. like a that's like a five year old song, and you're like, what? When did that happen? When that's that's it's crazy. It's wild, Doesn't Mike. Make sense. Yeah. It's wild, but Mike, I was looking at it actually. My uh, I have a I have a favorite playlist I like to go to when I'm feeling down. <laughs> My mm. playlist that I go to when I'm feeling down is uh, Chillin'. That's the title of the playlist, Chillin'. That's right. And uh, I realized that basically everything on my Chillin' playlist is all summer songs. That's all it yeah. is. It's all summer songs. Is this your own playlist? <laughs> That's my own playlist, Mike. I can I can recreate it if you want me to to make a uh, uh, to make. Oh, a, it's not uh, a Spotify playlist. It is not. But you want me to oh, make okay. it one? Hey, I mean, if you got, if you're about it's to- It's done, Mike. I will right. waste the time to do yeah. it. And you will be, you cool. will be, uh, you will be happy that I did. Send it's, it over. I can't it's, wait. It's all over the place, Mike. You'll be there like, man, this is wild. This has got songs from the 60s, songs from the 2000s, all in between, all in between. But Mike, we need to move on. We've got two birthday suits, but before we got birthday suits, I want to play for the listeners just to get you hyped. Just to remind you, listeners, we have got Shinedown coming in two days to Jacksonville. You need to get out there. This is me interviewing Barry Kirch, their drummer, uh, asking him, what's the best thing about a Duval show? 
A Duval shine down show. Here we go. How good is a shine down concert in Duval County? What can people look forward to? It's going to be a massive show. This is the biggest production, biggest show we have ever put together. It's huge. And especially for Jacksonville, who they haven't seen us since The Sound of Madness. Um, aside from maybe, you know, Rockville and those festivals, we haven't been there. And it's way overdue. So um, it's a big show. You can expect, you know, of course, all the hits. We try to play as many hits as we possibly can. On top of uh, lots of things that explode and lots of fire and all the fun stuff. Maybe a few surprises. And then there's not a bad seat in the house the way we designed the stage. I mean, basically, my drums are at the front row. So it's, it's a show. You know, even the front row kids get everybody. So it's it's... We're bringing it all, so I, I hope everybody enjoys it. And you know, from Ashes to New, who's the opening band? They're great. They're entertaining. Of course, Three Days Grace. They've got just about as many hits as we do. So it's it's a night filled with great rock and roll. And then, um, being a hometown boy, I'm excited to finally, you know, be a little proud. I love it. I love it, Mike. It's gonna be hype. It's gonna be a big show. It's going to be exciting. They haven't played in Jacksonville in 10 years. How does that happen? Whoa. They're a Jacksonville band, and they haven't played here in 10 years? That's bananas. Well, a couple years don't count, you know. Well, yeah, you had you had two yeah. two years and change that were uh, nobody was playing. Well, yeah. there were some bananas people They were doing some there. Zoom shows in Jacksonville, yeah, maybe. <laughs> there were a couple. There were a couple. Um, but listeners, get out there. Make sure you check it out. I think it's already sold out. Actually, I don't think. I know it's already sold out. So, like, you know, just put your ear to the stadium if you can. Just listen to it if you can. Huh? Regardless, <laughs> you need to listen when we have when I play the full interview for our show coming up in a couple weeks. I can't wait. But, Mike, we need to move on to the last two birthday suits. We do. You are 23 for 40. I know you got this one. There is no question cool. that this one is in your wheelhouse, and it's one of my favorite dudes of all time. Here we go. Born on April 12th, 1947 in Indianapolis, Indiana. Hmm. Our birthday suit wear ended up going to Ball State University and majoring in radio and television. While he was at Ball State, he started working as an announcer and newscaster on the radio station at the college. After graduating, he became a weatherman. He was really known for his ridiculousness on air. After six years, he moved to L.A. to become a comedy writer. He bounced around with several jobs, writing for several shows, hosting a couple of them. But eventually, the scouts of The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson found him, and he started as a regular guest on the show, and he actually started guest hosting at a point. In 1980, he was given his own morning show by NBC, but it's fairly obvious the show worked better at night. So after a season, NBC switched the show to The Late Night Show. His first guest was Bill Murray. show had all kinds of unique segments like Stupid Pet Tricks, Top 10 List, The Monkey Cam, and Small Town News. In 1993, he took over what was known as The Late Show in the Ed Sullivan Theater. Over his time hosting The Late Show, he received 67 nominations for Emmys. He retired from the show in 2015. In 2018, he started a new show with Netflix called My Next Guest Needs No Introduction. He's received the Kennedy Center Honors in 2012. 
and the Mark Twain Prize for American Humor and is known as one of the most influential personalities in the history of television. Name that birthday suit wearer. David Levin. Wow. David Letterman. David Letterman is correct. Yes. yes. Hands down. And no offense to Conan because I absolutely do love Conan. Yeah. But hand, hands down, my favorite uh, late show host, yeah, David Letterman. No. Hey, fun fact, I did uh, watch a live Letterman show, and it was with Bruce Willis. I feel so, like, lucky to have gotten to see When was that? that. Uh, 2013, 20, so, 2013. So it was near, near the end of the run, near the end yeah. of his nice, nice man. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, the, uh, Late Show is, is history, man. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's amazing. Like, I love, like, he just had such control. And his interviews, man, he's such he's such a boss. Like I was just telling, yeah, he was good. I was telling one of my friends, like, because they were actually being nice to me, not giving me one star reviews, <laughs> and they were like, "Dude, you ask such good questions. You're prepared in all of your interviews." I was like, "Yeah, I'm prepared," but like the the improvisation that Letterman had in his interviews and the fearlessness to ask anything and to respond in any way. Like he didn't give a who you were. Nope. You you could be a, you, you could be a Oprah, which he made mad on a show. You could be Madonna, which he made mad on a show, and he was just like, yeah, I don't care, you know. Like, and he'd ask whatever he wanted to, you know. Hmm. And if people were acting crazy, he'd go along with it, just like Joaquin Phoenix when Joaquin Phoenix was acting like a nut bar. He's like, all right, ah, uh, I got to rewatch that interview. That was a good one. Yeah, and he's just like, I'll go with it. Who cares? Like he's just <laughs> David Letterman is the goat, man. Is yeah, the is. goat of he of is. of late night shows, of talk shows in general. Hats off to you, David. Uh, I do believe seven years ago, Mike, on his no six years ago on his birthday, we did his birthday suit here on the show. Uh, it came around that time. I did a top ten for him that year. I do remember. I did not prepare a top ten this year. Sorry, David. I was I was lazy. Sorry. Oh, come Sorry, on. Mike. You are now thirty uh thir- thirty three. Wait, I got off 30, 24. 24. 24. Sorry, twenty four for forty one. You might be able to get this one too, Mike. You could get a okay. three for three. Jeez. Uh, born on April twelfth, nineteen forty seven, in Baltimore, Maryland. Her birthday suit wear loved reading as a kid and attended Loyola. Loyola. There we go. Loyola. Loyola College getting a batch. The funny part is I put Loyola down on my notes and I was like, you're going to screw that up when you say that on the show. <laughs> and I did. Anyways, uh, Loyola College, he graduated with a bachelor's in English. After graduating, our birthday suit wearer started working as an insurance company agent. And by 1980, he had purchased the insurance agency. At the same time, he started writing novels in his spare time. In 1984, he published his first novel, The Hunt for Red October. The book became a classic, selling over 2.5 million copies. This book catapulted his writing career and also made it so that many of his stories would make it to film and video games. His stories have evolved into extremely popular video game series like Rainbow Six, Ghost Recon, Splinter Cell, and others. 
His novels like Patriot Games, Clear and Present Danger, Net Force, and The Sum of All Fears were popular TV shows and films. Alberto Suwer is one of only three authors to sell over two million copies on the first printing of their first book. The other two were John Grisham and J.K. Rawlings. Alberto Suwer passed away from heart failure in 2013. Name that birthday suit wearer. Uh, kind of guessing, but is it Tom Clancy? Three for three, Mike. Yes. Yes. Nicely done. He's back, everybody. He's back. Oh, my gosh. His percentage points just went up like 8% today. He just <laughs> went up 8%, listeners. I'll take he it. Is, he is now uh, 24 for 42. There we go. There we go. Get it, Mike. Get it. Very, I'm very happy. Very happy Thank you. right now. Um, happy to be here. It is fantastic. Mike, we have got some fantastic shows coming up. I can't wait for these shows. As I mentioned before, we've got uh, Jared James Nichols coming on the show. Just a fantastic shredder. Fantastic guitarist. We have got Sunroom coming on the show. And as I have already mentioned, you will hear the rest of that interview. We have got Shinedown coming on and my goodness that's right the stories that me and and barry talked about i mean it might just be because i love shine down mike but if you like shine down or interested at all you'll love some of the things we talk about trust me listeners you'll you'll like them you'll like them but until then mike we got to wrap it up for the week i've been your host doc g with me as always the one the only mikey maximus the Fernicus. Charette. Always a pleasure, Doc G. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Of course. And until next week, zip it up and zip it out. Zip it a doodah. <laughs>